0: to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today, as is tradition, I am joined by the OG Books in the Freezer co-host.
1: Hello. It's great to be back. I always say every year, I'm like, okay, if you get someone like really big and famous that wants to be on the Best of your Year podcast, you're allowed to bump me off for this episode, but you keep letting me come back, so I appreciate it. I like uh, it's quite an honor because it is a popular episode like I assume people want to know like what is the best of the best and kind of give a roundup of the year
0: yeah it definitely is uh, um the most popular download wise I think that and then the new releases are the two yeah
1: let's be honest it's because up. I'm on here I am the attraction no yeah. one actually cares about the books anyway you know, they're right? like
0: oh is this the one where Rachel's on yeah. yeah that's what I'm gonna listen to
1: I'm gonna download it twice on every device to get extra downloads for the podcast <laughs> Let's start a trend here. No, for sure. Uh, It's always great to be back. And I say this every year, I think, but I'm always pleasantly surprised, especially since I've been off the podcast full time, that I have this like worry that we'll get to the end of the year and we kind of plan like, okay, we have the different categories we want to talk about. And we'll find out that we have the exact same picks for every single category. And then we have to like pick and choose and fight over them but that never really happens and it's not even like our tastes are drastically different because chances are i will end up reading most of the books you talk about in this episode next year and love them which is usually what happens Uh, or
0: the other way around like i'm like rachel liked this oh it is good i love it
1: (laughs) yeah so that's exactly why it's like i don't think our tastes are even that crazy different but somehow we always end up sort of stumbling upon different things like some of the books you're mentioning i know i haven't even heard of so i'm like i can't wait to hear more about this because i don't really know what this book is that you're have on our list so i'm excited
0: yeah, I know. We always go through this where you're like, okay, I, this is what I think my pick is going to be for this. Is it yours? Because if it's yours, then I'll pick something else. And I'm like, oh no, like that wasn't even on my radar. Like, go yeah. for it.
1: <laughs> It's like, we're too horribly nice about this all. And it, yeah, it always works out like without me having to like negotiate, but you're like, it's fine because i was like i really love this book but if you really love it then we'll negotiate i feel like it's like uh you know parents after divorce where we're like can we fight over our kids it's like i get this book on the weekend you can have stephen king during the week
0: maybe it's just your canadianness
1: no kidding i'm always happy to bring it back so i'll have to see i don't know if i have any canadian authors on the list this year i think i must have Ooh,
0: i don't think i do Eve. <gasps> but yeah that's more of a knock on you <laughs>
1: I was gonna say, i'm supposed to so yeah, gonna bring the representation no kidding i even saw i mean this is why because you were posting the spotify uh stats for this year and canadian listeners came in third because you said that the uk listeners um box them out so i'm like clearly i'm not bringing enough of the canadianisms to get the get us back to third but
0: they're like oh she doesn't have a canadian co-host anymore exactly
1: where is the representation yeah
0: we need the canadian
1: diversity in this podcast (laughs) if i don't mention canada once uh, per episode something is horribly wrong (laughs) you kind of know it's true
0: they have their bingo cards
1: (laughs) yeah exactly yeah
0: there was so many books this year and yeah you and I we do pick up a lot of the same books but I I always love that you bring in books that I haven't read yet and you bring in like a different perspective
1: Yes. To be fair, by the end of the year, when I knew there was a couple categories I need to fill out, I found some books I really liked. And I was like, Stephanie would love this book. And I'm like, I'll tell her about it on the podcast so that she doesn't right. read it before then. So <laughs> maybe I'm secretly just holding out on you on good recommendations. But yeah, it does happen. I've that equation, I'm, like, like, I'm like, I'm, I'm reading this book. I think you'll like it, but don't read it because I want to talk about it. <laughs> so that will happen a few times today that finally I will tell you about books that I think you'll love that I've been holding out on you for a while. <laughs> yeah
0: i mean whatever works
1: oh exactly that's what i go yeah. with, at least
0: yeah so how was your reading year this year
1: Yeah, I feel like we always start this episode by saying what an amazing year it was for horror and dark fiction and everything, and I'll be honest, you got to hear about it offline, but I spent a lot of the year struggling with the new releases, and just finding books not to be to my taste, not being what I expected, and the start of the year was a little tough. I was hard on some major publications, and... I was like, I don't know if I can do this episode. Like, I'm gonna have two picks. But then again, by the end You of sent the- me
0: that message. You're like, I, <laughs> I know I don't know how this is gonna go.
1: Exactly. I was like, I think you're gonna need a backup. You're gonna have like someone who has like two minutes of book recommendations and be done. But you know, and then somehow we get to the end of the year and I was able to fill out all the categories you want to talk about with probably more books than you wanted on this list. I worry it's gonna be a long one for people listening. Um, but yeah, I and these are honestly all books I'm really excited about. So I don't know how it happened. So It's weird that I want to say it was a tough year for finding favorites, but somehow it wasn't by the end. So I don't know if that makes any sense to other people listening where it feels like you're not finding favorites and then suddenly they come all at once. I feel that. Yeah. How about you?
0: I I actually dealt with a lot of the new releases this year. That's the one I had a hard time really narrowing down. And I still feel like, but I also want to mention this one. But I also want to mention this one. But I also want to mention this one. Um, I didn't read as many backlist titles this year. And I think the ones I do read are usually like four specific episodes or like four things I'm working on. They're never just like, I saw this backlist book and I wanted to pick it up. But yeah, and even the... That Libro FM ALC program, I love it. And I will say if you're like a book influencer, if you're like in the book influencing world, I will say that one is worth it. Like that is my top one. You get audiobooks every month. And a lot of those are on my favorites list this year. Things that I would not have picked up if they weren't just like, here you go.
1: No, you're absolutely right. I like I, I mean literally you've seen me do this before where the night before because I come out a couple hours before midnight I message you and go oh my goodness the new Libro fan books are coming out and I like obsessively message you about everyone on there about what I'm getting and what I'm downloading but it is a really good program because yeah it puts a lot of books that are a little bit more under the radar not necessarily like the best sellers or kind of things that would necessarily but be, like, sometimes pushed. they are though sometimes they're like the big know.
0: releases um like, I remember last year they had, like, Malibu Rising. Uh, when it came out this year, they had the Jeanette McCurdy book, which is on my yeah. favorites I'll talk about later, and Tomorrow, 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 like, yeah. kind of big releases. But also, their picks are always, yeah, very diverse in a lot of different genres. I will say, me and Rachel's one complaint, we would like there to be some horror sometimes. Yes.
1: So if anyone's listening from Libro FM, please give us a little bit more horror. But everything they, they curate is amazing. I just want more yes. horror.
0: Yeah, they used to too. I remember like 2020, they had The Only Good Indians uh, by Stephen Graham Jones and they had Plain Bad Heroines. So I was like, all right, we're getting some horror. And then after that, I never saw like another horror book again.
1: Yeah, I think it might've been the first month I signed up was the month that they had Stephen Graham Jones. So I was like, oh great, they always have a horror pick." And then it didn't really happen again for a while. And I was like, what is going on? But yeah, no, I found so many good ones through there. Um, And it totally makes sense. Like when it comes to Picking books for the podcast, like you obviously exactly have to kind of fit something into a theme. So sometimes you're not necessarily picking the book that you're most excited about or most to your taste, but has to be like this really niche specific thing that you've thought of as a topic. And so that's kind of I get the freedom, honestly, that because I'm kind of going rogue off the podcast all year that I think I like to pick up some of the books that don't necessarily maybe fit into different themes. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, I I go down weird rabbit holes, as we, we can talk about. I went down a rabbit hole of true crime fiction this year, got absolutely obsessed with it, read a lot of grid new releases, but also backlist. I know far more about Ted Bundy's life than I ever expected to and I really got into like dark messed up fiction and that's something I know I love with the podcast is that while it's focused around horror really you have a nice expansive or inclusive definition of horror and so I like that because definitely on my channel I've gone into some like really messed up disturbing areas where I think a lot of people are kind of nervous to necessarily try out Um, but you know kind of just again I guess I really like books that disturb me I really like books that kind of test those limits and that's honestly Mm -hmm. why I got into horror and so really going back to my roots and that was how I found a lot of favorites this year is really just being honest with me that a book didn't have to be shelved in the horror section for me to consider it horror in my definition of it of horror and dark fiction so once I kind of loosened up a little bit then I found the new releases that really worked for me okay yeah
0: Oh, also, Rachel, you hit 20,000 subscribers on YouTube.
1: Yes, thank you so much. For anyone who doesn't know, I was really excited. It, It took a while coming. I know other people have grown their channels faster. And you've hit some milestones yourself with the podcast. So I was going to say, congratulations back at you. I know you're getting close to a pretty big milestone with downloads. So again, if anyone wants to cough, cough and download the episode a few (laughs) more times, I'm not subtle at all. I'm allowed to say it. You can't say it, but I'm allowed to say anything. I'm just the guest. I have no stake in the game.
0: Just download it, delete it, download, delete it. Um... (laughs) Exactly.
1: Just give it to your three-year-old. He downloads and deletes podcasts all day on my phone. It's awesome
0: you're like artificially inflating like everyone's numbers exactly
1: sorry (laughs) Sorry, not sorry
0: well we have a ton of books to get to so do you want to just jump right in
1: absolutely that sounds good
0: this episode is brought to you by fangoria the world's best horror and cult film magazine since 1979 Listeners can use code books in the freezer to get 20% off their order that includes of course merchandise and first time subscriptions and single issues of the magazine. Not only are there tons of articles and interviews about upcoming horror movies, there's a regular segment by Stephen Graham Jones all about slashers called Slasher Nation. So you're going to want a copy. So again, that is code books in the freezer. And thank you, Fangoria, for supporting the show. Unlike the Academy Awards, we start off with the the big topic first, which is like the best novel best 2022 new release
1: yes I still say we're doing it wrong but let's never change
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just I always feel like I have a ton to say I think up front
1: yeah no I I think there's so much. We've got some great books to talk about. And quite honestly, I don't think I've read any of the books you're about to go really? into your section. I know. And I thought I read them all. Like I literally was putting together my end of the year content. And I'm like, I read every single like popular new release. I'm like, no, I didn't. There are so many out there that still...
0: I also thought we Rachel has read every single popular new release. You read like a machine.
1: <laughs> yeah, I am. Like every is my YouTube only video, challenge. you're
0: holding up like...
1: <laughs> <laughs> 70 books.
0: Yeah. Oh, so one of my... Best of the year. This was a book like the moment I finished it. You know when you know, you're like, this is going to be on my best of the year.
1: That's a good feeling.
0: Yeah. And that was Just Like Home by Sarah Gailey. I heard a lot of people talking about this one. I didn't get it like right when it came out. I think I did the audiobook through Scribd. And I loved this. The audiobook narrator was great. So it was a good audiobook production. But this is about a woman who is going back home her mother is dying and her father was a serial killer but it's like tough she has this really like weird toxic relationship with her mother and her mother has kind of tried to kind of monetize the idea that it was like a murder house and she lets like she has like an artist that's living in the pool house in the back. Um, But this woman's like coming back to this town, moving back into this house and kind of dealing with like the memories of like growing up there and then being really ostracized by the town because obviously this was a house where like awful things happened. And I don't know, but just where this story went, I could not predict. And it was so tense and good. Like I think Sarah Gailey is becoming one of my favorite authors which i was not expecting because i feel like i always just like see her books and pick them up on a whim and i'm always like oh this is great
1: you're getting me really excited to read their work. I've seen them on so many shelves because they do a lot of SFF as well. Mm-hmm. So I have yeah. no excuse not to read them. So, okay, that's that's putting it on the 2020 list. We're <laughs> yeah. on book one and I'm ready writing things down. <laughs> We're off to a good start.
0: Our TBR lists are going to be out of control on both sides.
1: I think so. So for my first pick, I want to briefly mention a fairy tale by Stephen King, but I do assume that everyone's heard of him. So I'll keep this really brief. Wow. I know. This is something I've been known for if you follow me on social media is that I've not always loved Stephen King's work. He's kind of hit or miss with me. So the fact that he made my favorites this year says a lot about fairy tale. I think it's just like a really perfect, pretty quintessential coming of age story it has as the title suggests like a fantastical element to the story it's well done there is a dog you were going to fall in love with the character development in the story is fantastic so I wanted to mention it but I also didn't want to spend the episode talking about books that everyone and their dog has literally heard of and probably read this year so my actual first pick is going to be talking about Full Immersion by Gemma Amor and this is a sci-fi thriller horror book that follows a woman who is suffering from postpartum depression she's recently had a a baby and is now suffering from the aftermath and uh, really dealing with it and so she goes along to um, have this VR therapy so she goes and has this immersion therapy and you follow her throughout this book and I love this book for a lot of reasons first off as you find out within the story that the author really puts himself out there You find out that Gemma Moore admits that she also struggled with a lot of these dark feelings and depression, and this book was definitely her working through all of that. So there's something I found, I've seen it a few times this year in new releases, and it's amazing when an author puts himself into the work, and it is fictionalized for sure, but it definitely has those threads of authenticity that just make it even better in terms of the story itself it's this really weird eerie story and in my first video review I actually made a few comparisons that turned out to be actually what the author was intending so I felt super smart afterwards so bonus points to me so I said that this book gave me vibes of Ian Reid who if you don't know is one of my favorite authors he writes like really eerie unsettling stories that are very atmospheric so I definitely got those vibes in this one and also reminded me of one of my favorite movies and that is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, the one with Jim Carrey.
0: Yes, it's also one of my favorites. I'm excited. And so
1: I really think you'll like this one. Again, it deals with motherhood and just complex relationships. It's just so raw. So like in terms of the emotions, the character work, it's just amazing. And then again, you have this like creepy story. And I love the fact that it has it like sci-fi twist because again, it involves virtual reality and kind of what's real, what's not. And you get to see her both within the virtual reality and then what's happening outside of it. And yeah, just completely up my alley. Like if an author could write a book that is meant for me, this is that. I thought it was so brilliant. So I would definitely recommend that one. And um, in terms of rating, I don't know if we're still doing freezer ratings these days. I'd put it
0: in the fridge probably. Okay. All right. I am definitely going to check that out. That one had been on my radar. And I actually do have the audiobook in my like audiobook library ready to go uh, just because of the buzz I heard around it when it came out. And then I listened to a author interview she did um, on Talking Scared. And I was like, that sounds way up my alley. So I'm glad to hear that you also endorse it. So that is moving it up. <laughs> I also really loved Such Sharp Teeth by Rachel Harrison, who I think, again, is another one of my like favorite authors. Like I have not had a bad experience reading a Rachel Harrison book. I just think she's one of those authors for me. Um, But this was a werewolf story, and this is about a woman who goes back to her hometown to take care of her pregnant twin sister, and um, she finds herself bitten by a werewolf and having to deal with, like, the repercussions of that. But I loved kind of these werewolf tropes through the lens of the female experience. This one dealt a bit more with, like, familial stuff and relationships, and I just really really enjoyed it
1: this is one that I have on hold at the library so I would have read it by this time if the library hold wasn't so long but I've heard amazing things about it I think she has another story about dolls and I need to catch up on the episode you did that just came in from the library so it's it's sitting on my Libby borrow (laughs) shelf so that'll be right after this but another author that yeah I have not checked out and really need to rectify that in the new year
0: yeah I think her like probably scariest more horror-y title is probably her first the return about like the girls trip yeah um and then cackle i think is a bit more cozy but it's still like kind of like dark cozy and then this was i feel like a good blending of the two yeah tonally,
1: i definitely like an author with range especially when it comes to werewolf stories that's a really hard one to pull off without it being really cheesy or campy but it sounds like she just has that really good way of writing it that has more of a serious tone I know I'm excited for that one it sounds just like what I'm looking for because I really want to like do a deep dive into like werewolf fiction but it's it's hard to find things that yeah aren't kind of like the paranormal romance when it comes to werewolves
0: so I I did read another book this year that was a werewolf book that I thought was really cute um, but it was called lycanthropy and other chronic illnesses
1: oh that sounds so adorable
0: it was it came out from quirk and it's about this like online friendship and it was like. Really cute.
1: Love it. Well, my next recommendation is Woman Eating by Claire Conda. And this is a literary horror book that follows a woman who you find it right at the beginning of the story is a vampire. And so you follow her through her day to day life as she is trying to cope with her condition and trying to pass off as a human. And I really like this story. It's very character-focused. It's very slow-paced and slow-burning, which honestly isn't always to my taste. I do tend to prefer something a little bit more on the genre side of things. But this one really spoke to me because of the fact that At least the way I read it, I really saw it as a vampire story that is really making a nod to eating disorders because within the story, she craves blood and is constantly hungry. She wants to consume human food, but it doesn't actually fill her up. She can't actually eat it properly. And so because of that, she spends her days hungry and what we would call mentally hungry within the eating disorder community where you actually are just watching people eat so you go on instagram and you see pictures of food and then you go on youtube and you watch all of those what i eat in a day videos and that is literally what the character is doing she's obsessed with food it's constantly part of the story but she's just not eating and as someone who has gone through that myself it just hit home on so many levels i thought it was very nuanced very smart uh, really brought like a rounded perspective to it And at the same time, it's a vampire story. It's a genre that doesn't always work for me because it can be a little bit campy when they get a little bit sparkly, let's say, with some of the newer renditions of the genre. But this one was just solid. It was a woman who was struggling. And again, it was more of a character study than, you know, vampires jumping out of every closet. But I was hooked in from start to finish. Highly recommend it. I thought it was so well done. And in terms of rating, I would say it's probably room temperature, but still very much worth the read.
0: Okay. I saw this cover, and this one was also on my radar. I did not know that it had um, like a theme about eating disorders, and I'm glad to hear that it was well done. It's always Yeah. <laughs> yeah I thought the representation was the fantastic. Case. Yeah, I do love vampire stories, and I was uh, a bit of a Twilight girly uh, when I was a teenager. So,
1: oh, exactly. I th- I always sound like I'm throwing shade at Twilight, but I was there. I read the whole thing. Yeah, I should not try to hide my my origins with vampires. I was there. We've all been oh there. Oh my
0: gosh, I did not finish the last one though because I was like, all these books, and you're hitting me with a fade to black. What? <laughs>
1: That's when we started to get too old. We're like, we want we want the adult version of these,
0: please. Yeah, like as an adult looking back, I'm like, no, it's probably good that she didn't write like detailed scenes about like a teenager. Yeah.
1: I yeah, know I think we were a bit on. As the a old
0: teenager time. though, I was like, What is this?
1: I want, give me more.
0: You can't have us like yearning for three books and then do this to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Anyway, pivoting too. So this one is a bit more of a dark comedy, but this was another one that when I finished it. I had been on such a ride and I knew that I was going to talk about it on this episode. And that is sign here by Claudia Lux. And this is about a man person. I mean, it's like a hell demon. So like, whatever we want to <laughs> <laughs> refer, it has named pay mm-hmm. who um, has worked his way up to like the corporate sector of hell where like, um, uh, you know, there's like different levels and he's really worked his way up to now the department where they go out and try to get people to sign their souls over. The first part of it is like workplace comedy, like the workplace antics and like people trying to get promoted and also, just the world building of hell is so funny, just like the coffee is always room temperature, like the pens never work on the first try. The only drink they have at the bar is like Jaeger bombs. He has this assignment where he's kind of gotten everyone in this family to sign their soul over, you know, in exchange for whatever. And he just has like one more person that he needs to get signed over. And then it switches and you follow members of that family that are all kind of like going through some stuff. They're spending the summer at a lake house. And I don't know, there's a lot of issues brewing and things come to a head. So you're kind of following these dual timelines. And it was just so interesting. Like I said, it was such an emotional ride. If you liked the world building of The Good Place... I think you would really enjoy this. But I think it was just a very smart, dark comedy. And it actually had me like tearing up a little at the end. I really felt like the full range of emotions.
1: Oh, that sounds super fun. I even love how it kind of, yeah, like makes fun of like, Corporate culture and work culture and all that. Like, I think for a lot of people I'm talking to these days, I see that that could be a very cathartic read. (laughs) So, my last pick for the category is String Follow by Simon Jacobs, which I'm convinced is one of the most underhyped horror books that came out this year. I do understand it may not be for everyone because it's very niche, but it was absolutely my thing. So, this is a really hard book to pitch or even describe because it's a book where you're kind of reading and you're like, where is this going? It feels very meandering and slow. But the basic setup is that we follow a group of teenagers in this small suburban town and within the story it has this really interesting narrative structure where there is like another voice speaking to us which is like the voice of the presence that is um, influencing the individuals in this town or specifically the teens and so it's telling them to do terrible things to each other to themselves and so I do need to give all the content warnings within this book if you are sensitive at all there is Um, self-harm, there is thoughts of suicide, there is assault, there is every single horrible thing in there, I'll be honest. Uh, Definitely go look up the listing if you have any concerns yourself. But this is a book that I really loved because of the fact that it just weaves together these teenage narratives that I think was really authentic. The idea within the book is that the presence is influencing the teenagers specifically as they are trying to get to this one pseudo-innocent young woman. And so you have the teenagers trying to maneuver themselves, listening to the voices? Are they real? Are they not? And again, it's a book that you kind of are following along. I can see for other readers, you kind of are reading and thinking, where is this going? Where is it going? And I enjoyed that. I was in the mood for a book like that. And I enjoyed the fact that it was kind of edgy at times. Sometimes I do enjoy a book that will lean into some really uncomfortable subject matter, as we've discussed before. So this one was just really good. I love a possession story. I love the way that it twists together different genres. And it just builds and builds. And it's just, again, like the narrative structure it for me was unsettling because you didn't quite know where it was going. You have this other voice, this presence, and it just gets more and more twisted. So I'll probably leave it there. Um, if you count in all the content warnings, this book could, in a lot of ways, be freezer-worthy because it's really disturbing if you actually think about what's going on within the book. And I highly recommend it if it's up your alley. So if that sounds like your thing, go for it. But I know it's not going to be for everyone. It is a niche pick, but if you share my weird taste in books, I do recommend this one a lot.
0: I will admit this was one idea enough, <laughs> <laughs> but because it got to the point where I was like, "Wait, what's happening?" and I was doing the audiobook, so. It was one I did put in my specific, like, set aside for now shelf. Like, I was like, maybe right now just isn't the right time for it. It wasn't like a not my thing forever.
1: Yeah. And that's the kind of book it is. Like, and not, yeah. I almost like those books where you have to be in the right mood. And it's yeah. like one of these books where, you're like, I'm almost so offended and bothered by this book. And where is it going? And what's happening? And they call, kind of all clicked and came together for me in a like, mm-hmm. really satisfying way. So it's definitely an experience, I will say, to read a book like that. So I completely understand where you came from because I think that's very valid given the type of book this is.
0: All right. My. Last pick I wanted to talk about is Mary and Awakening of Terror by Nat Cassidy. I think this was a tour Nightfire release. I really liked this for a lot of reasons. And the first one is that the main character we're following is a, I think the term is perimenopausal. Like she's on the like verge of starting menopause mm-hmm. named Mary and she feels invisible. She finds herself like kind of having to move back to her hometown in Arizona and live with her aunt who is like all kinds of crazy. And just the stuff that happens in this book is wild. I will say I know people don't like it when I don't warn them. So there is a dog that dies in the book. But this book was like wild. I think I at no point had any clue where this was going. And I don't know why the book talk girlies that are really into like unhinged woman stories haven't like held on to this one. I think they need to hear about this one.
1: Missed opportunity. This is,
0: yeah. I'm like, Mary needs to be in the pantheon of literary unhinged women.
1: <laughs> that one sounds really fun. It's definitely one I've been eyeing up. It's uh, I do enjoy a good story that centers around women. And I've heard that this one really is like a nod to Carrie and kind of looking yeah. again another transition with women. So I've heard really good things about that one.
0: Yeah, it it just had like a lot of layers. And then I don't know, there were things I just like was not expecting and the voice, and it was really good. I don't know. I d- it also felt very cinematic while I was reading it. I was like, I could see this being a movie. That- and I know people kept saying, like, Tony Collette should play Mary. But I say we should have Molly Shannon. Fact. <laughs> <laughs> Who I know is more of a comedy star. <laughs> but I really think she could do it nice so Hollywood if you are listening um I would like that producer credit for that thank you
1: I love how Hollywood is (laughs) as a like entity is listening to this
0: Hollywood as one entity is a yeah they're big books in the freezer (laughs) I also wanted to mention uh Anybody Home by Michael J Seidlinger just because it was I think maybe the scariest book I read this year the one that was you read it too right the one about the the home invasion I think that one definitely like I think out of everything I read, probably got under my skin the most and yes. made me like rethink my life.
1: <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned it because I was going to put it on and I was like, oh, maybe I have too many picks. Maybe I should stop there. So I, I would have added that one as my next. And that's another book, just like the full immersion book, where you have an author who's bringing their own real life experience. So his own experience with a home invasion, writing it into fiction. And that layer just makes the book even more disturbing on top of it because I've always said that like horror that draws from reality terrifies me anything that could happen terrifies me (laughs) so much yeah Now, moving on to novellas, I'll start with this one. And I'll be honest, I don't actually have a ton of picks for this one. And not because I didn't like the novellas I read, but for whatever reason, I didn't read a lot of the category and it wasn't on purpose. So I do thankfully Mm -hmm. have two strong recommendations here. The first one I want to talk about is Your Mind is a Terrible Thing by Haley Piper, who I know you had on the podcast this year. And she's an author I've always wanted to try. But I'll be honest, there are certain books she has written that involve teeth on certain body parts and I know hey, but it's really good nervous. it's
0: really good though <laughs>
1: I was a little nervous to start there so I started here instead but good to know that I should go back to that one <laughs> <laughs> but this one I would say is much more safe or mainstream for anyone else who is a little bit nervous by her work there is a great queer romance within the story and I just wanted to be really cute and I am someone again who likes science fiction and horror and so I love the mashup but it's surprisingly hard to find it really well done in terms of fiction it's much easier to find in cinema but this one was so cute so well done and yeah just a really fun read so a great introduction I will go on to read that one I promise you (laughs) but this was a very nice safe place to start and yeah I do recommend it for sure
0: I think you would like Queen of Teeth because it is like a sapphic love story really at the heart of it
1: is it it sounds scary and dangerous
0: I mean, there are elements of that, sure.
1: All right, it'll be next year. We'll, we'll return back to this.
0: <laughs> Is that not the sexiest love story when it's like a little scary and dangerous? There go. Okay, one of my picks for favorite novella of the year was Hashtag Thigh Gap by Chandler Morrison. And this was really wild. It was I mean it's a, I was going to say it's a quick read. It's a novella duh, obviously. But this follows a model living in Los Angeles who goes by Helen Troy. This is also a book that delves really deep into eating disorders. So I'd say if that is something you struggle with, you should definitely know that before Going into this, because you are in the mindset of someone who has an eating disorder and, you know, it's a first person narrator. So we see kind of how she looks at the world, how she looks at food, how she looks at people who are not thin. She's not a likable character. But so she's living this lifestyle and you see that she used to be fat. But she has lost this weight and really been validated in the way that she's been doing it. Like she's found a lot of success modeling. She kind of gets thrown into a tailspin when like a rival model who's like thinner than her comes in and this just goes into like a very black swan direction like it kind of becomes like a a really good mix of like really intense body horror and psychological horror as she just kind of starts to absolutely devolve as a person and the horror comes from that but I think also about everyone around her really like one like keeping her from seeking help And telling her that like the worst thing she could ever do is like put on any more weight. So it's just like this whole toxic environment tied in with... This absolute like horror of a show.
1: Did I just write a novella and forget about it? Because that sounds like the story I wanted to write. (laughs) That is amazing. I can't believe I haven't even heard of this one before. Which is such a guess shame that it flew under the radar for me at least. But that sounds fantastic. Good to know if the character is in the middle of their eating disorder that it might be triggering for someone who is in that space. But for someone who has moved past there, but loves the conversation around it, I I love you mentioned that like that outside validation. That they get like exactly that, you know, obviously there's horror elements to the story, but in some ways the reality of our society's obsession with thinness really feeds into an eating disorder so much and can really reward them so i know i'm reading that like as soon as i can track it down that's literally going to be my project it seems wrong. yeah i I
0: don't know i really liked it and it also has like a lot of elements of like dark comedy like really satirizing that kind of like la hollywood lifestyle oh
1: that sounds amazing
0: oh so that was hashtag thigh gap by chandler morrison
1: right and my next pick is three days in the pink tower by evie knight and this is a horror novella that once again draws from the author's real life experience i read three this year and they were all fantastic that did this and so within the story we follow a young woman who opens up her door and has strangers come in and they take her by gunpoint and they take her away to this house and the terrible things happen that you would expect to happen in a situation like this and it is drawn very closely from the author's own experience I cannot say that I enjoyed this book because that seems like the complete wrong and inappropriate thing to say, but was it a harrowing, powerful read? Absolutely. It definitely draws the line between like horror and thriller because again, it pulls so much more from reality, but it was easily one of the most unsettling, uncomfortable books I read this year, which I will admit was something I was seeking out and I definitely found it within this book. I thought it was a really interesting way for the author to work through these feelings and experiences and try to make some sense of them if that's even possible. And, you know, really write it into a way to hopefully have a cathartic, you know, um, experience and really try to, again, move on in some way from there. So highly recommend that one. It's not for everyone. Highly triggering, but wow, is it powerful. That is Three Days in the Pink Tower by Evie Knight.
0: Ooh, I'm going to have to check that one out might have to brace myself. Yeah. All right. The other novella that I loved this year and this was one I read, I think in January. Like I read it very early on, but even then I knew. I knew it was going to make going <laughs> like, to make the cut.
1: Write that down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that was Below by Laurel Hightower. Um so this is about a woman who's recently divorced and um I talked about it in the novella episode I did with brandon baker she um is really nervous about driving it starts to snow and as someone who has like driving anxiety i fully understood like every thought that went through her head and i'm like and it's snowing just stay there just stay at the truck stop forever you live there now but she decides that like she's gonna um drive and she makes friends with a truck driver that's there and he gives her like a cv radio and he's like like i'll talk to you while you're on the way there like you know we'll kind of like keep each other company and like you know we'll look out for each other so they're talking on the on the radio and she sees him like with the storm basically like go over the railing and she's somewhere where her phone's not getting any service and she's like oh my god like what what do i do should i go further and find help and come back um should i like go down there and see what's happened to him and make sure he's okay. Like what I'm in a tough spot. And I think just the way that this novella went from like this to this, then it becomes like survival horror. Maybe Mothman is thrown in there. You know, you're getting a lot, you're getting a lot of bang for your buck.
1: That sounds like a lot packed in novella. That's (laughs) fantastic.
0: But it works.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I've heard such good things about that one.
0: Yeah. I, I had an absolute blast Uh, And I think just also stories about like the story about like a woman trying to like find herself after a divorce. And you hear like the voice of her ex-husband in her head criticizing her. And, you know, she's like trying to work through that and prove herself and stuff. So. Oh, exactly. So that was Below by Laurel Hightower. And then just a quick honorable mention. When I did my episode with Brandon Baker, he talked about this novella and the publisher was kind enough to send it over to me. And it was it's like a 90 page novella. I read it in one sitting because I could not put it down and that was This Is Where We Talk Things Out by Caitlin Marceau. And this is like misery with a toxic mother. That's all I'm going to say.
1: Amazing. So the next category is short story collections, and I think you have more picks than me. So how about I let you go first again? Okay.
0: (laughs) I didn't think I had read that many short story collections, but I guess I did. Um, I could have also mentioned Bad Dolls by Rachel Harrison. It was would be like i don't want to say too much rachel harrison but this is my mention so (laughs) you know that i've mentioned it but i also read they were here before us a novella in pieces by eric laroca and this was very interesting a lot of the points of view in this novella were like animal points of view and a lot of it was like the theme around like the violence of love and desire and i mean it's it's dark uh, a lot of stories are pretty dark and gross, and like the best way. You have to like, like, dark and gross, I think, to like Eric LaRocca stuff. So, if you're like me and you're like, yeah, into that, I, I recommend think. it. I really liked it.
1: You're speaking my language. I need to read more Eric LaRocca. I've been hearing amazing things about him. I think definitely he's kind of a sleeper that I need to get into his back list.
0: He's either your thing or he's not. Yeah,
1: I don't feel like he does like those really like safe mainstream you know, stick it in someone's stocking that you don't know and just give them their collection and hope they like it. You have to know their tastes, I feel like with yeah. like, <laughs> someone like him. My main pick is Night of the Living Res by Morgan Tatley. And this is a collection of short stories that are loosely horror, but I will say they're light on the horror so I will admit that. But they are as the title suggests, all set on the res. Often when I struggle with the short story collections is the fact that they are each individual stories that often have nothing to do with each other. But while this is framed as a short story collection, this does have recurring characters, and it does have a certain thread of, you know, this. it's all set in the same place, it follows the same characters, so you have Reappearances of individuals, so I did really like how it brought the stories together into a co- more cohesive narrative, which is more to my taste. I love the characters. If you don't know, I have a love for indigenous fiction. It's definitely something that really speaks to me, and I thought the representation, of course, as an own voice of story, was incredible. In terms of the horror, I'll admit it wasn't again the scariest thing I've ever read. It definitely is a little bit more of the contemporary side, but it definitely was my personal pick when it comes to short stories. I did really like it.
0: Oh yeah, that was one uh, I should have downloaded it because it was one of the Libro FM picks. And I like almost did. And now it's gone. I
1: have that experience with something you will talk about in a okay. minute here. So <laughs> I, I share your your deep regrets with Libre FM review copies that we let get away from us.
0: Yeah, because they, and for listeners that don't know, they review every month. So like the, the first of the month, you get like six new picks or like eight. And the anyway, other ones you go get away like, forever. Yeah, then they're just gone. So my second pick. Okay, this one was another like Libro FM pick that just came out, and I picked it after we had already kind of decided our picks. And I was like, "Oh, did I just find a favorite?" Like December. So that was where we go when all we wear is gone by Sequoia Nagamatsu. And this is also like the one you had, I wouldn't necessarily say it's like horror, but it kind of deals with like horror adjacent lore stuff. Like we're dealing with a lot of like Japanese lore specifically, like the first story is about a woman who studies like kaijus. And this is like, I guess, in a universe where they're just are godzillas and they like cause destruction and it's just like a part of like their everyday life um, and so this is a woman who's kind of an advocate for godzillas and other high and she was really into studying them and she dies um, on a bus that's attacked by a godzilla and like she's on the phone with her husband and she says like he looks magnificent you should see him it's really also about like the father and daughter that were left behind and the the daughter that wants to follow in like the footsteps of her mother and want to see like what was so magnificent about these creatures that her mother dedicated her life's work to there was also a story about like a dancing mania that hit this town where like everyone just started dancing and wouldn't stop dancing Um, and the government was getting very worried about this this dancing sickness that had infected this town there was also kind of, like, a beetlejuice type story about, like, a hotel where, like, grudge monsters go. And it was, like, explaining, like, the different rules. Well, you're here now. And, like, obviously, because you're here, it means you died um, and you want some revenge. So, like, here are your options. And, like, here's how long you can stay here. Here's, like, where these types of revenge monsters go. And, like, here's where these types of, like, grudge creatures go. <laughs> It was just like such a fun and interesting, but also like a lot of the stories dealt with like grief and marital issues and loss. So, I mean, there's a lot of deep things going on alongside with like the kind of wackier concepts, uh, but I really enjoyed it. And I have to look at the title to read it because it is long, and that is Where We Go When All We Were Is Gone by Sequoia Nagamatsu.
1: I'm so glad you love that one. I actually read it too, but I didn't mention yes. it. <laughs> um, I loved it so like it? much. I no, like, I, I like loved like it. No, no, like no. It. I just was like, I didn't even think about it for this episode until I saw it there. And I was like, well, I'll let you talk about it first. I loved it so much. Uh, I've read a novel by this author, which I might mention a little bit later in the episode. So I'll keep that brief. But um, I love just the parent aspect of these stories, how emotional they are, how weird they are. In a lot of ways, I think he does for like, Um, speculative fiction in I guess in this case audio form what Junji Ito does on the page like in terms of like how twisted and weird it is like the part with like the long necks and things like that like it just if I could imagine that as a manga you know it would have been drawn by Junji Ito is kind of what I was thinking as I was reading it so I loved it a lot and I again haven't really been drawn towards short stories as much this year but no I inhaled that I downloaded that and read it within Whatever, you know, however long in one sitting I'm pretty sure I was obsessed with that collection.
0: Yeah, that was one where I like found things to do to keep busy. Like, you know, when you're gonna have an audiobook and you're like, Well, I finished putting all the clothes away. So I guess I gotta go scrub my counters just to like find something to do.
1: Exactly. (laughs) The only reason my house ever gets clean is because of good audiobooks, let's be honest.
0: Thank you, Libra. FM (laughs) Well, should we move on to graphic novels? I think so. All right, this is my second sarah gailey pick (laughs) but i feel like i talked about this a lot this year but i think that was more towards the beginning of the year that was eat the rich by sarah gailey i read this through hoopla they're all available there digitally uh i mean i think you can buy like the the like what would we call that compendium like the the solid volume of them the physical volume i guess yeah because they're like five parts
1: I love all the hand gestures you made during yeah. that section that no one else could, we can see.
0: Yeah. I, listeners, I need you to imagine that I'm making wild hand gestures to Rachel to help me like figure out what this word is.
1: She's like motioning to like what a book looks like. <laughs> oh, you mean those
0: books you know. that we read? <laughs> this episode is just charades where I'm like, you know, you know the word I'm thinking of. Help me. Oh, we
1: should do an entire episode of charades. People want to listen to that, right?
0: That's at the top of people's list. There's audio only charades where like no one is getting the answer. And they're like,
1: what? Oh, I love it. Let's make this happen.
0: (laughs) But anyway, the point is this, this book is about a woman who is meeting her boyfriend's family for the first time. And they are like disgusting rich. She goes over there and she meets his family and they have a lot of help, but she witnesses something and she starts kind of talking to the nanny and the help. And she realizes that, um, the people that decide to work for them essentially are like fully taken care of, you know, they get like all their, they're compensated. Well, they get all their healthcare costs taken care of. Uh, but essentially you just have to agree to uh, come to a grizzly end and have your, your being be consumed by them. Oh,
1: well then that sounds lovely.
0: That's revealed in like the first the first booklet that that's like the reality of this world but it's also like once you're rich and this is like what you're used to regular food doesn't taste good anymore it's a big i was gonna say big c-word book but <laughs> too many c-words cannibalism is the c-word
1: oh i was thinking of other c-words i was like where are we going with I, this <laughs> Are we still that's why i'm like the friendly? c-word i'm like
0: wait <laughs> there's too many there's <laughs> too many c-words
1: this is just going a whole different place than i thought it was <laughs> I don't know what you're reading. Over yeah, there. So
0: it's about yeah. So it's about her like deciding on whether she wants to stay in this world now that she knows this like grisly truth about it. And then this is of course about the other c-word, capitalism, obviously, and how the rich you know exploit the working class. How the working class to survive basically have to agree to like give up their whole being to support the the top one percent. You know how it is. A subtle, subtle.
1: (laughs) Not subtle at all. (laughs) Love it. And so my pick is The Liminal Zone by Junji Ito, who I might have just already mentioned, but I cannot get through this episode without talking about horror manga by The Master. And so this is one of the most recent collections that has come out. Um, at least been translated in 2022. So this is a collection of four short stories, and I really liked all of them, which is always hard to do with short stories. I find it's always a summer hit, summer misses, but these were all really solid. There's one involving a serial killer. There's one involving weeping women. um, And then my favorite story involves a girl's Catholic boarding school run by some very, very creepy individuals. And it hits on so many religious horror themes that I love. The visuals were amazing. And I just think that if you love religious horror, if you have a Catholic background, if you just enjoy stories that get very uncomfortable and weird, like every Junji Ito story does, this one is incredible. Easily one of my favorite of his short stories. And if anyone is wondering, I haven't got a chance to read his other collection that came out at the end of the year, Black Paradox. My library has very long wait lists, so that's the only reason I'm not mentioning it in this episode. But It likely would have made it in if I had read it in time. But the short story I did read again or the graphic novel collection is The Liminal Zone by Junji Ito.
0: It's on Rachel Brand.
1: Exactly. I can't get through an episode. (laughs) Stick it on the bingo card. All
0: right. Moving on to young adults. I read a book this year that I loved and it was I was really excited because it was one I was really excited for. So it's always good when it's like the book you're excited for. Also, is good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know what you mean by that.
0: <laughs> so that was The Weight of Blood by Tiffany D. Jackson. I really liked White Smoke that I read from her, I think, last year. But I'm going to be honest, 2020 and 2021 kind of meld into one for me. So I have a hard time differentiating what came out when. After 2020, I feel like time is a puddle. So yeah. essentially, though, <laughs> That's back to this. This is essentially a carry retelling, which, listeners, I would put your big ears up because that is one of the the prompts for the 2023 reading challenge but this is about a high school in i want to say it's alabama that has a segregated prom which in the in the front part the author talks about how like this actually still goes on in a, in high schools in the south like at least as late as 2008 that's insane i know that's what i thought i was like no that's absolutely yeah, ridiculous
1: cause as soon as you said that i'm like wait when is this book set like the 1920s no it's not uh <laughs>
0: It's that kind of – I, I want to say it's either modern day or the 2000s. That's terrifying. Um, but so, yeah, you're following this school where that happens. Where kind of like the white students have like a club, uh, a prom at like the country club. And there are like strict rules about who can go to the country club. Um, and just like the racial divides in this book. And uh, there was a – the main character was a student who essentially – passed as white um, until one day at school when it rains and because of the way her hair reacts to the water being wet um, it basically comes out that she actually was a biracial black student that was passing as white and she was already kind of this like quiet reserved like no one really knew anything about her like not popular student um, so we see where like the Carrie part of this is going I, I just thought like it did a good job at dealing with like interesting racial dynamics like in Carrie like the the character that offers up like her popular boyfriend to go with the Carrie character we kind of delve more into like the white saviorism of that in this book and I do del- just like very interesting And creepy and it kind of had the like we're getting like news coverage and stuff and kind of going like back and forth in time to like what is happening at that night and the aftermath and like what she was dealing with at home like in this case it's more of like an abusive white father who was trying very hard to like suppress the fact that she was black and not tell her anything about her mother. Like there's just a lot of things going on, but I thought it did like a very good job at it. So that is The Weight of Blood by Tiffany D. Jackson.
1: That sounds incredible. Another one that I want to get to. It's got a very long wait list on my library, so sometime next year I will get to it. My pick, or first pick rather, is How to Survive Your Murder by Danielle Valentine, who also writes as Danielle Vega. I'm not actually sure why she does the two pen names because this is also horror. But in this one, we follow a young girl whose sister was murdered in... A year ago, specifically on Halloween, and now a year later, they are going through the trial. She steps out of the courtroom and something happens and she ends up somehow going back in time to Halloween night once again on the day that her sister was murdered. And so she has to figure out how to get out of it, how to, you know, have the day play out differently so her sister survives. And it's one of those horror books that is really fun obviously it has kind of that like sci-fi time travel element to it but it's much more focused on like the horror it makes a lot of nods to like horror movies and a lot of other meta references that I think horror fans will enjoy and again you don't really worry about the science of how they got there instead it's just more of an adventure it's the kind of story I imagine being like a really fun like teen horror movie because it's got that like sister bonding and it's just like very fun and action-packed and just like overall really good so I recommend uh for anyone open to young adult is how to survive your murder by daniel valentine
0: oh that sounds really interesting it was a fun it's one. On. teen horror movies are absolutely my jam
1: so yes i would absolutely watch it <laughs> if hollywood's still listening
0: <laughs> hollywood i mean get your big ears off <laughs> i don't know where i came up with that saying that is not a saying i was that just people gonna say. say i was
1: like is that something they say over there because i've never heard it <laughs> we'll make it a thing
0: It's the, that's so fetch, but just for books in the freezer, like get your big ears up. Um, I want to talk about the Honeys by Ryan Lasala. So this is about a teen whose twin sister has died, and their twin sister was um, used to go to this camp, and they used to go to the camp too. But there was some kind of a falling out with the camp, and they didn't go anymore. Um, but their sister used to go, and she was part of this group called the Honeys. Like they they were kind of like the popular girls of the camp, and their their cabin was over by like the apiary and the like they took care of the bees and stuff you know hence the honeys the main character decides that they're gonna go back and really figure out what happened to their sister and this like i feel like it just does not go where you think it's gonna go But, you know, I love a revenge story. I love a story where we have a character who is like infiltrating a system, but is also like smarter and like one step ahead of like the system and trying to like find out information and like you don't know who you can trust. So it has elements of that. It had a very like midsummer esque type of feel to it. I think mostly because it was like summer, like daytime horror at this summer camp. Um, but I just really liked it. I mean, it's also a book that delves deeply into grief. And I think especially grief that you feel with a sibling. I mean, especially in this case, a twin sibling and like the bond that's there that, you know, isn't there anymore. You have to deal with that loss and avenging their death. (laughs) So that was The Honeys by Ryan LaSala.
1: I was just going to say you we're just gonna say you're ending on a sad note, but then you brought in their avenging their death, which makes it all happy again. My second pick is Hell Followed With Us by Andrew Joseph White. So this one follows a trans boy who is on the run from a religious cult where he grew up. He ends up coming across a group of young people who are hiding out in a queer community center. He meets a boy, this young autistic boy who he possibly has feelings for, as you often find with YA. There is a little bit of romance to this one, which isn't normally my thing, but this book really grabbed my attention. I loved it for a lot of reasons. Of course, the trans representation within the book I thought was incredibly well done so that you really get to understand this boy's struggles as his family really and again this very religious setting are very much against it and so you see that aspect to it but then you also get to see the welcomingness of the community that he falls into so it also has a bit of an optimistic feel to it but again this is not a regular contemporary queer story this definitely is horror because you find it within the story that this young boy has something about him and he has some sort of transformative ability I'll maybe leave it there I'm not sure how much is on the back of the book so I don't want to say too much more but this book has a crazy aspect of the story it is this post-apocalyptic slash dystopian future setting that is just horrifying and it gets like really dark really twisted really gruesome and Doesn't hold back in any way, so it's a weird book that combines a really sweet queer romance with a really horrific backstory that has a lot of punch. So I thought the climax of this book was great. I it's it's one you just have to almost read because it's so many different things, but it blended together in a way that worked really well for me, and definitely ended up being one of my favorite not just YA books of this year, but probably would make a top ten list if I were to make one because I thought it was just like a solid book and definitely has all ages appeal. so that again is hell followed with us by andrew joseph white
0: i feel like this one was recommended to me a few times so i definitely need to read it and if it has your stamp of approval
1: yeah i might have recommended to you but then i might have pulled back it might have been you. It. i remember i think i said you would really like this but don't read it because i need it for the ya category
0: this might have been it i'm <laughs> like someone recommended it to me you would really
1: like it i just didn't want you to read it yet <laughs> Let's be honest, I am heartless when it comes to holding on to my picks.
0: All right, well, should we move on to our backlist? Absolutely. Our backlist reads for the year. Okay. A standout read for me this year was one I read for the Patreon series I did with Laura, and that was Under the Skin by Michelle Faber. We are following a woman who's in Scotland, and she is picking up hitchhikers. And uh, we're in her head, so we know that, like kind of as she's picking up these men and questioning them, she's kind of sizing them up for something. And like, you know, if if she decides that they're what she's looking for, she kills them. And then as you get further into the novel, you realize there's even more layers as to like, what's going on? Who is this woman? Why is she killing these men? And this was just such a wild book, but it was also so like poignant and beautiful that like, if, Like when you really get into like what this book is about, you wouldn't think that like those two things go together, but it really was like, I really enjoyed it.
1: No, you're not wrong. This is one of my all-time favorite books. Yeah. Also recommended to me by our friend Laura. She really should get a kickback from the publisher for every time she recommends this book. But yeah, I think it's brilliant. It's one of those like unsettling books, and it definitely mm-hmm. has like, like you said, like layers to the story where you're like, okay, this sounds very basic. It's just a typical serial killer with a you know female lead. And you're like, no, there is so much more. And then it gets, yeah, like the some of the themes it dives into actually had me like really questioning some of my own like moral beliefs, which I did not expect. So I thought this one was really really well done. I'm so happy you enjoyed it so much because it's definitely a favorite of mine from the year that I read it.
0: I love it. And the the score for the movie is one that I use for like my reading soundtrack all the time. Nice. So would recommend
1: so my first backlist title is one that is probably well known but for a good reason and that is american psycho by brett easton ellis and this is one that i yelled about on my youtube channel all year long so it's probably not a surprise to anyone who follows me there but this if anyone doesn't know is about a man who works on wall street and he has these urges to do terrible things and you follow him in his yuppie life as he goes around and he's very concerned about brands and his morning routine he's obsessed with phil collins and Genesis. This book is so many things and it's also incredibly gruesome and violent but it's also very smart and topical. It really is a fantastic social criticism of this certain period of time with Wall Street and so I think that it just it says a lot. This author is not for everyone. He's very particular how he writes and his style and there's definitely lots of like violence against women and drug abuse and things that can be really offensive or triggering to certain audiences. So, you know, know your content warnings, know your triggers going into it. But yeah, I loved it a lot. It was super violent and messed up, which again is my thing, apparently.
0: I was like, I love that. So I picked this up years ago, and the only reason I like stopped reading it was because of the tedium. Because you know, he's like, I have to get like this coffee maker onto like my this type of granite counter. This is what my like this looks like, and you know, it's obviously like showing how like rapid and materialistic like this whole culture is. But it was just like so much that I was like, I I can't do this right now. This is like a comeback to it later oh. like maybe when I have the audiobook like an audiobook would help me yeah no I've heard that this
1: from- I've heard that from so many people. Like, I
0: didn't even get to the violence. You're (laughs) like, where is the violence?
1: (laughs) Exactly. I know. I've completely had that from a few friends that said, like, they tried to read the book, but, like, nonstop, like, brand name dropping and just, like, the yuppie culture. And it is just, like, offensive for the sake of being offensive. Like, the things that the characters say are disgusting and terrible, and you want to slap them in the face. So you definitely have to be in the right mood for it. Um, It's actually a book, now that you say that, I want to say I actually started and stopped it probably two or three times over the last few years. Where I kept picking it up and just could not get into the first few pages. And then uh-huh. yeah, just I got it at the right time and suddenly I it clicked and I fell in love with it. But it definitely nice. it's, it's one to try. I love the movie. I watched it at the same time as reading the book. And I think that both formats work really well. They're a little bit different and kind of complement each other and kind of have slightly uh-huh. different interpretations. So yeah, I recommend it. Even if you watch the movie, it's worth checking out the book. But yeah, it's it's definitely a very particular narrative style that will drive some people off the wall for good reason. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah it's definitely one I like want to to try again on um with the audiobook. I love the movie. I really do, but I think that goes back to like my deep deep crush on Christian Bale that I had at that time. It was an awakening of sorts at
1: the time. He's still happening.
0: He is still hot. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean, I want you to imagine that I was like thirteen years old.
1: <laughs> were you thirteen years old when and I- watching American Psycho? yes oh my <laughs> <laughs> I'm but only now. because
0: like i had i had this like older cousin who was like oh like oh you like that actor from little women and i was like yeah laurie oh and then God. she showed me like the opening to american psycho where he's like doing crunches in his underwear and i was like
1: <gasps> <laughs> oh gosh little stephanie losing her innocence
0: <laughs> some wires getting crossed there <laughs> <laughs> oh funny Oh, my next backlist pick was one I mentioned on the Halloween episode that is The Night Country by Stuart Onan. And it's an interesting type of ghost story. Uh, but it's about like this town uh, the year before on Halloween, there was a car full of teenagers that got into a car crash. And most of them died on impact. One survived unscathed and one survived with... Um, severe brain damage you're following the teen that survived and basically all the trauma and guilt and everything that he's feeling for being like the lucky one of this group and uh just everything that goes with that i mean he had like his girlfriend in his lap you know she died and just like everything that he's dealing with now that it's the anniversary you're following the policeman that was tailing them when they lost control of the car and hit a tree. You're following the mother of the teen who is now severely brain damaged. And like, she's kind of dealing with like, what is my life now? Like, you know, this is what we thought our life would look like versus like, this is what life looks like now. And this is all being like narrated through like the ghosts of the teens that are like stopping in at like the different houses and like following these people on their day to day. And it was just like, I cried. I cried several times reading this one. (laughs)
1: I'll have to look that one up. It sounds great. I'm actually not very familiar with it. I'd have to see the cover. My second pick is The Delicate Dependency by Michael Talbot, and this is a story of a doctor who runs across a man and saves his life. He ends up taking him home to stay with his family afterwards. He befriends their two young daughters, and then this man goes on to steal away one of his daughters in the night. And this is actually a vampire story. You can know that going into it, which is funny because I keep saying, oh, I don't like vampire stories, and then I keep recommending Hmm. and loving them, so (laughs) maybe someone needs to call me out on that. But this is one that, again, is such a surprise because I went into it going, I don't know if I'm going to like it. It's a vampire story. And something about the narrative was just very enticing. I found the story just to be very beautiful. It falls into the vampire tropes in the way that this man that he comes across is very angelic in a way and has kind of a beauty to him. But this book is also saying some really interesting things about how we treat those that are seen as being disabled or having any sort of disorder or condition. And this book is set in a historical time period, so it really deals with that through the historical lens. So I thought it was very topical, but of course brings a modern uh, perspective to that topic. And I just thought it was very well done. The book really takes off from where I mentioned there's so much more in there, but I do recommend it. It is just yeah, a beautiful story, one that I feel like is a little bit more under hype compared to some of the other vampire books out there. And I read it, yeah, very early in the year and completely fell in love with it. So highly recommend. That, again, is The Delicate Dependency by Michael Talbot.
0: Ooh, I am adding that to the list because I actually really do like vampire stories. Another
1: one I think you would like that I kept on the down low okay. all year.
0: <laughs> like I can't, I can't let her know until exactly. the day of are recording. Well, should we get into some nonfiction yes. spooky horror adjacent stuff?
1: <laughs> is that officially what the category is called?
0: Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, starting off, I listened to Tell Me Everything, the story of an investigation by Erica Krause. Um, I think you read this too, right?
1: I did. I would have mentioned it if you hadn't, so i glad you did.
0: So this is about, uh, obviously, a woman named Erica. It's her story. But she starts off the book by saying she always has, like, one of those faces where people just, like, tell her things, like, she'll just be somewhere and someone is divulging you know, very intimate information and finds themselves asking, like, wait, why did I just tell you that? Um, And so she has one of these interactions, except the man is a lawyer and is like, oh, like, actually, I want to hire you as a private investigator. And so it's about her essentially getting into this line of work and they... Uh, stumble upon what ends up being a landmark case about sexual assault against a university. She doesn't name a lot of like information about what university is, but enough for you to Google, you know, like you can look it up and see like what the big landmark case was. And just it was absolutely heart wrenching at parts like as she's getting these testimonies from these women Um, and what they went through. So absolute trigger warnings for rape and sexual assault. And I mean, it was like the first case where they had to acknowledge I think like rape culture as a whole but then alongside with this you're also dealing with stuff from her personal life like how she gets married and deals with having a toxic mother which I feel like on reviews was like the thing people didn't like about it but it was something that I I really liked that she was also bringing like her personal experiences and like what she was dealing with as this investigation and this like career defining moment for her was going on and yeah it just like was so like my heart I feel like was just going through like I don't know I could, I don't want to say like a greater like a freaking like <laughs> being flattened out like there was just so many big tough emotions in this book
1: yeah I'm glad you like this book and obviously liked a tough word given the subject yeah. matter it's very heavy but at the same time I thought it was very well done I'm someone who likes a memoir where the author brings some of their own story mm-hmm. into it um, and I think in this case it fit like the relationship with her mother and very much her own past like she fits into the story but also acknowledges how her own experience and background is different than what happened to these women I think it's mm-hmm. just like you know super important in the me too age to really discuss everything that goes on in this book and then you also have this like very superficial level that I loved and that is the fact that am I the only one who always imagined themselves as their dream job being a private investigator I so badly <laughs> wanted to be like the Nancy Drew like why was that not the career I chose and so I really like to see the insight about what that would actually potentially look like and obviously she wasn't trained I don't think she had a certificate or anything like that but Mm-mm. I just found it to be super fascinating on that extra level there that really of course like kind of hooked me into the story is like I want to know how it what it would be like to you know be a PI and you know puzzle this all out <laughs> and be an amateur detective it's something I've always been fascinated by so that extra angle to the story really added something for me
0: Definitely. I think the angle I always wanted was just kind of like being somewhere and like piecing the things together. But when it's like, please cold call these people and ask them about their like horrible life experiences. I'm like, I don't think I could do that part.
1: Yeah, Um. you're also right. You actually get to see the reality of it. And I was like, oh, this isn't exciting as I thought. (laughs) This is kind of painful and hard. I hate cold calling. My first pick is Trailed, One Woman's Quest to Solve the Shenandoah Murders* by Katherine Miles. And this is a true crime book that I thought was really interesting just because it focuses on a murder of two young women that actually happened outdoors in a national park. So I found it to be very interesting because it really discusses the challenges of trying to solve and do the investigation when the evidence is all outdoors. And so it brought an interesting uh, aspect to the story. So for instance, I didn't even think about it, but say if someone um, is killed with a blood, like, a large object and you're trying to find it well if it's a rock how do you find it among the thousands of rocks in the area and how do you find the one murder weapon and you know what do you treat as evidence and what's just things being outdoors and so there's some really interesting aspects that I think just make this book a unique uh, comparison to something that is typically more seen in an urban setting so I did find those interesting elements as well the fact that this book is Uh, focus around two young women that were in a queer relationship or a lesbian relationship and so within the story you definitely get the potential question of whether or not it was a targeted killing or was it random and I do like that within the story you get to find out what the police believed happened and then the author themselves also gives us a separate narrative and there isn't a like hard truth and within the story you definitely are left to make your own decisions about what happened but I do think that you're given some compelling evidence that definitely made me lean in one direction so I found it to be a good story that you know it's not an open and shut case but at the same time it's one that you'll definitely be left thinking about that's still satisfying enough if you're someone who really likes closure when it comes to true crime so that again is trailed by katherine miles another one i think you would like
0: yeah i'll have to look into that i don't think i'd even heard of that one um the second book i wanted to talk about is unmask alice lsd satanic panic and the imposter behind the world's most notorious diaries by rick emerson so i picked this up because you're wrong about did like a book club episode where they revisited Go Ask Alice. Did you ever read that as a kid, like as a no, teen? No,
1: I I know the book, but I never actually read yeah. it. Yeah, it's so classic.
0: I remember like reading it on the floor of a Barnes and Nobles and being like, oh, I got to hear about all this like crazy stuff. Was this the, the same dark, weekend that you?
1: Was this the same weekend that you watched American Psycho? <laughs> Just like <laughs> Stephanie's coming of age weekend, I imagine.
0: My <laughs> coming of age weekend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, um, But You're Wrong About did an episode and Sarah Marshall had Carmen Maria Machado on and they did like a two-parter episode, like revisiting Go Ask Alice and this diary. And this was published like by Anonymous. So it was kind of published as this like true story of like this girl who was like a good girl, but then she went to a party and her drink was spiked with LSD. And then she started just like absolutely going, finds herself like dealing drugs to children and like... (laughs) running away. And then like, she says she's going to get better, but then she dies and her diary just ends. So, you know, it is this very like moralistic story, but you know, it was pushed as like, this was the real diary of a teen girl who went through this. Um, Well, years later, it came out that it was not in fact the diary of a teen girl. It was written by a woman named Beatrice Sparks, who was Mormon. And I think this book really puts it in perspective. I think the Culture at the time, and especially the 70s when Nixon was starting the war on drugs here. And we really start getting into satanic panic and all the panic around LSD and drugs at the time. And I don't know, I feel like I learned a lot. And I don't know, I felt a lot, especially as they get into how she wrote Jay's journal where she was given this journal of like a troubled boy who passed and then she added a bunch of stuff to it and added all this like satanic stuff that like did not happen the people who were from that town knew whose like journal supposedly this was and they were vandalizing his gravestone and just it was awful for the family and like what she did to this without any of their permission and I don't know. I just feel like I had a lot of feelings. And I'm very interested in, in moral panics. I think as someone who grew up very like fundamentalist, where there was a panic about basically everything and all kinds of media, and especially as someone who's always gravitated towards like darker media, um, it's just very interesting to look into. So that was Unmask Alice, LSD, The Satanic Panic, and The Imposter Behind the World's Most Notorious Diaries.
1: That's definitely a compelling one for sure. I'll have to look into that my last pick for non-fiction horror is Murder in the Neighborhood by Ellen J. Green and this is a true crime account of the first documented mass shooting in America and so for some people it might be something you maybe don't want to get into right now, I know it can be very topical, very emotional but this makes for a really interesting case because obviously it's a case that is not very well known and is much smaller uh, it gets into a lot of conversations around race and poverty and the economics of kind of, you know, what might have this individual down that road but in terms of narrative framing that's part of the reason I'm really excited about this book that I admit that I tend to gravitate towards fiction because I do prefer that more narrative novel style of writing but this is a piece of non-fiction that really does read like fiction and in fact it reads specifically like a coming-of-age story and so the story is told uh, through this voice of this person who was a young man or a young boy rather when this all happened and then he's also looking back as an older man now recounting this case and again this is a story that definitely recreates some conversations so they do take a little bit of liberty there so if that's something that bothers you just know that but in terms of reading like fiction you could almost forget and I almost did several times I had to go back and fact check and be like am I sure this is nonfiction that I'm reading because it really is written into a style that just feels like this young boy who goes through this horrific event loses his innocence and is looking back on it as an adult and it's just very compelling so again if you're a fan of the true crime genre, or a fan of of coming-of-age stories, I do think that this one is one that will definitely appeal to you. And that, again, is Murder in the Neighborhood by Ellen J. Green.
0: When was this set?
1: Uh, I have to actually look up the specific date. Uh, I want to say back in the 40s, 50s, something like that. It's like a case, like, definitely it's not one that would have made headlines at the time. Um, Someone will have to, fact check me exactly when that was. But this is kind of a book I stumbled upon Uh, I believe I got access to, uh, you know, an audio via NetGalley. And, you know, it's one of these books that was totally off my radar at the time. Because, yeah, this was a case. Baffin, yeah, in New Jersey. I'm just trying to look for dates. But definitely a compelling one. Oh, there we go. In 1949.
0: Oh, wow. I have not even heard of this. Yeah. add into the pile. (laughs) Okay. And then moving on to just regular nonfiction. Or no, it's just not. Sorry. Our non-horror favorites of the year. I do have a lot of these. Starting off with uh, one I mentioned at the top, but Jeanette McCurdy's memoir, "I'm Glad My Mom Died," was. Such a good memoir as someone who loves loves a celebrity. A celebrity memoir. (laughs) I want to say it's a guilty pleasure, but then pardon me is like I don't believe in guilty pleasures, just like what you like. But Jeanette McCurdy was a child star on Nickelodeon. I will admit she was like after I had stopped watching Nickelodeon. Like I did not watch any of the shows that she was on. That was really kind of like after my era.
1: when you moved on to Uh,
0: American Psycho. I had put childish things behind me. (laughs) I really grew up that weekend. (laughs) a real man <laughs> right, and no I solely watched like MTV no I fully was like when I turned like 13 I was like um I'm actually a teenager now so I only watch MTV VH1 and Criminal Minds and CSI
1: <laughs> we sound like very similar teenagers
0: <laughs> but she talks about how her mom got her into showbiz she had a very narcissistic mother and a lot of the vignettes are written kind of in the present tense, like as she's kind of going back and like experiencing things and talking about different memories that she has. Um, And just about like the absolute love and reverence she had for her mother and her mother basically put an eating disorder on her to keep her small and to uh, make sure that she would still be castable as a, younger passing like person as an actor and basically taught her how to do calorie restrictions and would make comments about her body all the time and was really controlling about what she could do and who she could talk to you know she was homeschooled and everything about her life was very regimented um and it's really tough to read the chapters where she starts going to therapy and the therapist like suggests that like what her mother did wasn't okay and you really start to see those walls fall down because they're written in present tense so it's kind of like it's happening in real time and she's like no like I don't know what you're talking about like I loved my mother like she's great and like how dare you say that and you I mean Jeanette McCurdy reads the audiobook and there are times where she starts crying like you hear her voice break as she's like spilling out these like raw emotions. And I mean, it was it was a lot. So just know that it is, it can be a lot to deal with. Um, but I thought it was just like a fantastically written book. And I mean, to get to the end of the book where she's like, you know what, like, I am glad my mom is dead, because I do have, like, closure about it now. And that is just like a chapter that that's allowing me to move past that.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's one that I haven't read, but I've seen on so many best of the year lists. It's just supposed to be incredible if you're, you know, someone who does uh, a lot of celebrity memoirs. It's just like such a, well, not even celebrity, just like a powerful story. My first pick for non-horror is Babel by R.F. Kuang, which is super popular, but in case you don't know, this is a historical fantasy book that is set around Oxford, where we have a group of students attending to learn translation. And within the story, we follow this group of students, and some of them are of different backgrounds, which means that they deal with different uh, discrimination and prejudice within the school. And so basically, this is a book that is not exactly dark academia, but rather a response to dark academia. It's incredibly smart. I think you enjoy things like A Secret History and some of the other books that have come out in that subgenre over the last few years. This is definitely one to check out. It's powerful. In terms of the fancy, it's definitely a little bit more muted or toned down. There is an interesting idea where magic is used um, through infusing objects involving translation. And then there's also some great discussions around translation in general. You get to see the author really getting to share her background and her knowledge base and discussing just the fact that certain words do not translate perfectly between languages as sometimes there is not a perfect word that will give the same meaning in both languages. And so you're always having to consider not just the technical meaning of the word, but also the emotions and um, kind of cultural elements behind it. So super fascinating. I geeked out throughout it. It has some fantastic... Uh, Just conversations again and social commentary that I think is really important even today. So I recommend it. Obviously, not underhyped at all, but I highly recommend if you haven't checked it out, Babel by R.F. Quang is definitely worth your time.
0: I know this is a book I keep seeing everywhere.
1: Yeah, I'm not the only person on the internet probably yelling about it this year. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I'm special.
0: Oh, man. I have another nonfiction pick. Uh, And it is I love, listen, I love a celebrity memoir and then I love a nonfiction book about, like media. So, you know, real smarty pants stuff. I just feel like when people are like, I love nonfiction, like they're expecting like history and biographies. I'm like, "Mm, I'm a connoisseur of the celebrity memoir (laughs) and like books about TV shows. But my next pick is from Hollywood with love: the rise and fall and rise again of the romantic comedy by Scott Meslow. And this was just so fun to get into the genre of romantic comedy. And I know if there's been a lot of discussion about like why don't we have romantic comedies anymore, and it really kind of gets into like when they were at their peak the chapters are kind of divided by the big romantic comedies at the time so you know you've got like a when harry met sally chapter you've got a like when you've got male chapter and um uh, really talking about the um kind of the late 2000s where i feel like they really fell off and was that maybe because of the like broier like shut apatow comedies that were being introduced that kind of really led to like the fall off of that like female perspective and like i don't know how jaded we were at the time but then like kind of the rise of them again with things of like to all the boys i've loved before crazy rich asians and um really talking about also like representation throughout the years and like black romantic comedies like waiting to exhale it was just a very fascinating look and I mean it's fun always to learn like little factoids about like movies because I'm very fun at parties (laughs) that I'm always like let me tell you a fun fact about Seinfeld (laughs) I love it Uh, so that is the rise and fall and rise again of the romantic comedy by Scott Meslow
1: That definitely sounds like a Stephanie book. I'd be recommending it to you (laughs) if you hadn't already found it on your own. I'd be like, hey, you got to read this. So my next pick is a science fiction post-apocalyptic story, and that is How High We Go in the Dark by Sakura Nakamatsu, which is the same author that Stephanie mentioned above in the short story collection. So I read this one first. It's actually one of my first books that I read in 2022 and absolutely loved it. It's a new release, and this is one that I would actually recommend to you, Stephanie. I do think you would actually love it, even though I know you don't read a lot of science fiction, but this is one of these books that is technically science fiction, but really so much more. So this is classified as a novel, but in a lot of ways, it reads like a short story collection because each chapter is um, a unique perspective and kind of jumps through time. So at the beginning, we follow this group that is uncovering a virus that has been asleep, and so it wakes it up. And I'm sorry, people with science backgrounds are probably dying, as I describe that poorly. But essentially, you have it where this viral outbreak begins. There is a targeting of a lot of the young people are dying, a lot of children. So I got to say this book has some huge content warnings for parents, especially because there is a particular chapter involving an amusement park that is guaranteed to make you cry. It is very emotional and I'm not an emotional reader. So it definitely sounds just like your classic pandemic post-apocalyptic story, but it's definitely something so much more. I think a lot of us are not in the mood for that particular subgenre these days, and neither was I, but I gave this book a chance, and I'm glad I did. You have to read it the whole way through if you're going to pick it up, just because if you don't, you're really going to miss where the story is going, and the ending was just one that really had my jaw dropping to the floor. It wasn't what I expected, and the story is just so much more big and beautiful than I would have thought it to be. And I just ended up really loving it. So one of my favorites from the start of the year, and honestly, nothing topped it all year long. It's one of my all-time new favorites. And that again is How High We Go in the Dark by Sakura Matsu.
0: Yeah, I had heard a lot of people, you talked about this, and then I was looking into it and I saw that it's kind of like interconnected short, like not actually short stories, but kind of like a novel made up of like yeah. vignettes. And I'm like, oh, that is my shit. Yeah. There's so many things about it I actually <laughs>
1: think you would really like. So, yeah. No, I'd love to uh, uh, have you check it out. I'm
0: trying to find my last one. My last one is one that I've also kind of seen everywhere. It's got a lot of buzz. I am adding to the buzz. That is Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. Um, So this is about you're following basically two people you're following sadie and sam um and they essentially become business partners and create a video game that becomes like very successful and it's about how they start this like video game company and Sadie's husband, who was like Sam's roommate, also becomes a part of it. And it's kind of like about the three of them and where their life goes. But you're also kind of going back in time and seeing how Sadie and Sam met um, when he was in the children's hospital. And she would go visit him and kind of like the weird way that their relationship started. And then they had a falling out. Like this is kind of about them like falling out and coming together. And it's a long sprawling story. It's absolutely not for everyone. But this had me crying. Um, Just as you're following the the success of these people that create this like video game empire and like the decisions they've had to make along the way and i think just their absolute love for the art form of the video game and like their dedication to like the purity of like telling a story through this medium as someone who is not a gamer there was probably like a lot of references and a lot of stuff that like i missed so if you are someone who has like grown up playing video games you would probably get a lot more of the like easter eggs and references uh, but i still thought it was a beautiful story about you know these like artists and creatives that were so dedicated to this and about this like friendship through the years that is very complicated and has a lot of like starts and stops you know with like two imperfect people
1: This is my great regret of the Libro.fm review program. In my mind, I thought I downloaded it or accepted it for review. And then the month passed. And afterwards, I was like, wait, where's this audiobook?" And I must have not actually clicked and downloaded it. So all year, everyone was touting how amazing it was. And I was like, well, it must be nice. And again, I can request it from my library. I plan to do so. (laughs) But it was at my fingertips and I let it fall through my hands. I will forever regret this
0: that's why I say it's better to just like get like if it sounds mildly interesting just download it yeah anyway.
1: no I literally just told it to you I was like I downloaded a book about like financial planning <laughs> just in case All right, my last pick is still horror adjacent, but I wanted to sneak in one more and that was No Gods for Drowning by Hailey Piper, which is a fantasy horror thriller that I just didn't really have a place to put anywhere else so I'm sticking it here because I read it right at the end of the year and absolutely loved it. This is a story that follows a few different perspectives, one being a detective who is trying to track down a serial killer that appears to be killing people in a very methodical, possibly cult or ritualistic way and then you also follow another perspective of the serial killer and you get to find out why they're doing what they are doing, and again, this has a fantastical element to the story. Within the world, there is uh, rising waters, so hence the title that they have to deal with drowning. The gods have disappeared, and they're trying to bring them back. And it's just a story that really blends together a lot of genres I love. Again, it wasn't strictly horror compared to a lot of the other things that Haley Piper writes. Again, I kind of see it as more of a thriller fantasy mashup, but. It was a book I read after reading Her Space Horror novella, and I'm definitely on the Hailey Piper train now. I love this one a lot. I thought it had some... Exactly. (laughs) And my goodness, I had so much fun with this book. I just tore through it, loved the queer representation with a complicated, morally gray relationship. There's definitely some complex characters that they think they're doing the right thing, but we as a reader might feel otherwise, and I really enjoy when you see that. So this book just had so many things that are just check boxes for me, and yeah, I loved it a lot. And yeah, kind of one of the last books I read this year that had to make the list, so I had to sneak it in somewhere.
0: Okay, I actually just recently bought this on Libro.fm. Ah, so.
1: oh, you'll regret nothing. So that again is No Gods for Drowning by Hayley Piper.
0: Awesome. So that is our year in reading. Of course, I was like just going through like my Goodreads right now. I'm like, oh, no, I didn't mention that one. I didn't mention that one. Like there's just too many, too many books. It's been tough. It's been tough to like. Oh, nail- I know. <laughs> All right. Well, should we get to some chilling obsessions?
1: Yes. So my pick is going to be a movie. And at first I wanted to go with Nope because I love all of Jordan Peele's movies and I just think they're so well done. And I enjoyed that one. I did knew nothing going into it, had so much fun with it, but I feel like that's kind of a basic pick. So I'm going to have a real pick so that I can pick two. And the other movie I'm going to go with is Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil and Vile, which is a Ted Bundy retelling. There are so many out there and I kind of watched them all this year, but this is my personal pick. It is one that is uh, just really goes into the personal life of Ted Bundy a lot of it was written and focusing around his girlfriend's perspective because he had a serious girlfriend over this time who of course was semi-unaware what was going on and slowly of course piecing it together as the clues were coming out and starting to worry more and more that her boyfriend was behind all of these horrific murders and this is if you're not familiar with the movie the main actor who plays Ted Bundy is Zac Efron (laughs) which would be the weirdest pick but it totally works because of the face he has and of course he plays it totally straight. I still remember him from his like days of you know high school musical and things like that and I haven't seen a lot of his work between now and then so it was a little bit of a shock but yeah definitely this movie has all the content warnings, triggers, things like that. It's definitely a dark and twisted tale as the title suggests but Wow, it was a powerful one. And again, I watched all the Ted Bundy movies this year. And so this is my personal pick out of the out of the lot.
0: I also remember Zach from his days as Troy Bolton. So I have not been like watching a lot of new horror lately, but I very much on a whim decided last week that I wanted to watch the entire Hellraiser franchise for funsies. Oh, yeah. You know, and I heard that this is like one of the worst franchises as far as like the sequel quality really dropping off after a certain point. And I thought, you know what, I should check that out for myself, though, just to double check. Because I really like Hellraiser 1. I really like Hellraiser 2. Hellraiser 3 is fun. Someone becomes like a Cenobite, they get like a CD thrown out their head. Like, it's pretty fun. And then, yeah, from there, the the sequels, I think, are very hit or miss as far as quality. The There's a space one, for instance, Bloodline. Um, That also has a timeline where Adam Scott is a like 17th century French aristocrat. It's just like absolutely wild. I think Um, I think there's so many of the sequels were just like, here's a story. Let's just find a way to stick Pinhead in there. Like it just like really didn't make sense for it to be like a Hellraiser story. But I watched Hellraiser Hellworld, which was like the cyber like 2005 one. (laughs) <laughs> and the ending is very wild, but I thought it was like kind of fun. It's kind of like about a sex party in a mansion in like the 2000s and Hellraiser is like a video game.
1: <laughs> that actually sounds hilarious and so fun.
0: <laughs> Henry Cavill's in it.
1: Too. Oh, seriously? Okay, I'm I'm yeah. all there for it. <laughs>
0: So, uh yeah, I just like the other ones I'm like, I you're right. I don't care about these. These are in fact bad. I should have taken your word for it, but at least I got to watch Hellworld and Bloodline out of this rewatch. Nice. <laughs> All right, Rachel, the moment has come. Do you have a final girl song?
1: I do, and I will not pretend that I didn't spend like a week (laughs) trying to decide and going through my Spotify list. So if you remember, I've gotten the opportunity to put a few songs on the list over the last few years and they've all been pretty basic. There might've been some Kanye West, there might've been some Destiny's Child. And so I did feel like I should round it out with something a little bit more indie. So I did go with a Canadian indie rock band, but I feel like they're getting some more mainstream play, but at least hopefully it's a little bit more credible. Uh, The one I want to go with is- Well, they will
0: now thanks to you. I know I'm
1: I'm making it happen. So the song I want to go with is help I'm alive by metric. And it's just I mean, maybe it sounds a bit too on the nose, but it really does fit. It's really a song about um, surviving something and getting through it. And I love some of the lyrics like, you know, we're still alive. My regrets are few. If my life is mine, what shouldn't I do? So it's kind of the idea like after the final girl moment has happened after the movie is done. And just the idea that if you've survived all of this, you really shouldn't worry so much about what other people think and just, you know, really kind of live your life for yourself. So I really just like the messaging around it. The song is super catchy. It's a little bit poppy. And yeah, if I can have another excuse to bring something Canadian into the podcast. You know, it's a bonus.
0: We get the Canadian stamp of approval on this one. Excellent. They won't kick you out anymore. Oh, good. I had like a few songs I wanted to pick for my final girl song for the end of the year. Recently, I've like really, I know it came out earlier this year, but for some reason, like now is the time I've decided to really deep dive into Florence and the Machine's new album, Dance Fever. And originally I wanted to do Choreomania, which I think is probably my favorite of the list and that's also like about it reminded me of the short story with like the dancing fever because that's like what it's about um I think like technically it's a metaphor for her like panic attacks because she's like it just feels like you're dancing to imaginary music and it just like comes out of nowhere and you're panicked and out of breath but I'm like dancing (laughs) (laughs) love it um but I think I'm gonna go with dream girl evil it's like can I see this like cinematically playing? I'm sure I can make it happen somehow. Lyrically, though, I really like it. I think in the way it does get into a little bit of the like Madonna horror complex, like I think the labels that are put upon women and it's like you think of me as like your mother, or you'll sanctify me when I'm dead. And I think like, you know, the way women are seen and expected to be. And I just love the ramp up of the song. I love the way it sounds. I have just been obsessed with this album recently. Nice. That is Dream Girl Evil by Florence and the Machine. Well, that's all, folks. Bye. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Rachel, where can people find you online? For sure. The
1: best place to find me is on YouTube. You can look up the Shades of Orange. And I'm always there putting up videos twice a week, Tuesday and Thursday, both horror and thrillers as well as I do some science fiction fantasy as I mentioned and I'm also on Twitter as shades underscore if Twitter still exists by the time that this episode goes up so we shall see uh, I think we're safe by now who knows um, and I'm also on Instagram at the shades of orange
0: I think it's more that I just keep being more and more disappointed with Twitter yeah
1: <laughs> everyone keeps saying they're leaving but they still stay, stick around so I'm like well I'll stay if everyone else stays yeah
0: um it's honestly like my least popular like i get the least traction on twitter of like any other social media platform so like selfishly i'm like i don't know if it goes under it's not a huge loss <laughs> <laughs> You, you can catch your dice. i'm like i don't care i'm like i'm better on instagram <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I love that we get to do this every year. And it's absolutely like one of the highlights of my year.
1: Oh, you're so sweet. It definitely feels like coming home. It's something I look forward to a lot. And I know we always have to, you know, we kind of have to work out schedules and all that and work with me tripping over my words in the recording, which hopefully gets cleaned up a little bit in the editing. So thank you to <laughs> future Stephanie. Um, but it's so fun to be back. And again, it's just, I don't know. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's so comforting. I'm so proud of this like podcast, which once felt like this baby podcast. And now, you know, I just see the things You've done with it, and I'm just I couldn't be more proud. Like, it's just incredible what you've Aww. really grown with the podcast. So, you know, like I said, I keep expecting myself to get bumped off the final of the year episode when you get, like, you know, like I said, this like rock star <laughs> coming on board celebrity. Um, but I'm more than happy to come back and gush about favorites every year.
0: Yeah, I would kick Stephen King off. I'd be like, no, sorry, yeah, this is Rachel's spot. <laughs> Thank <go> you. <laughs> <laughs> if it was Gillian Flynn, I think I might. I'd understand, <laughs> no, I'd kick myself kidding. off for Gillian <laughs>
1: Flynn. <laughs> Let's be honest.
0: I don't think that'll ever happen. That's fine. All right. Well, like I said, thank you again so much. It's been so fun catching up with you again. Yeah.
1: All right. Thanks, everyone.
0: Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod, on Instagram at Books in the Freezer, or on TikTok at Books in the Freezer. Or you can send us an email at booksinthefreezer at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Apologies for the audio in this in some parts. And also, I was pretty sick. I still kind of am. I'm sure you can hear it now and in the episode. Um, But thank you to all of you who have spent this year listening to the podcast. It means so much. Like Rachel mentioned, I do have kind of a big download milestone coming up. At this rate, I don't think we'll hit it until like... February, but I don't know. It'd be cool to hit it before then. Sure. Um, I was also trying to hit 250 reviews on Apple Podcasts. I think we're currently at 227. So if you're still feeling some of that leftover Christmas spirit please go ahead and drop a review on Apple Podcasts. It would just be very cool to hit 250 reviews on there. But thank you all so much. You are the best listeners anyone could ever ask for. Um, As we head into the new year, don't forget to check out the Books in the Freezer 2023 Reading Challenge. Um, It's fully up on Storygraph. I think it's partially up on Goodreads. Goodreads is weird and it only lets me add three topics at a time before it's like no no more posting thank you you're done but check that out it's a fun thing to participate in and I love seeing people fill out the reading challenge throughout the year like I love every time I get tagged in it I try to post them you know every time someone tags me in their stories this episode is going very long so I will quickly say that if you are looking to support the podcast if that's something you want to do more of in this new year is supporting you know small creators, and independent podcasts, and like, uh, you can do that through Patreon at patreon.com slash books in the freezer, or you can do that through the show notes. There are affiliate links that you can click on, things like Fangoria, or Libro FM or Amazon, or, or, as I mentioned earlier, possibly, leaving a review on a site like, uh, apple podcasts you can do spotify too spotify is a really easy way to leave a review Uh, but thank you so much to all of you who have taken the time to do that all 227 of you i love you all dearly individually i kiss you all so anyway sorry i'm rambly and loopy right now still getting over this cold So I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at Lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N or on Instagram at That's What She Read. Thank you all so much for listening and see you next time on Books in the Freezer.